I don't know if I got a whole lot of new stuff from a concrete side because I could talk about weather all day long. Since that time, this last month, it's been no, crazy not, in not, California. Let's not, let's not even do that. Flooding. Ah. Oh, it's crazy. You Jesus. know what I just read? Well, here, no, here's concrete. I had no idea. Did you know there was old bunkers in the sea cliffs in San Francisco? And these last major storms dropped two of them out of the cliffs onto the uh, onto the shores. I, I didn't even know there were those kind of bunkers on the West Coast. Like military bunk- bunkers from yeah, World military, War II? Yeah, military concrete bunkers. Crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's awesome. So there you go. That is awesome, actually. And the, the, <laughs> the whole freaking bunker fell out. So what was the pictures... All you see is this, what looks like, because it's a distance, these massive chunks of concrete. I mean, it's just massive. It looks like a, a big concrete house, basically, that just fell out of the cliff and is sitting on the shore. So You know those like jumping jack things made of concrete they use to stabilize seashores? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know them personally, but yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I would love to make those. Like, if sinks and countertops didn't work out, I would love to make those things. They just... Uh, they're just so amazing to me. I don't know. I just love them. I don't know what I love yeah. about them. I just love everything about them. The other thing was, I always had this dream. I was going to do this in Arkansas, was to take a uh, septic tank. You can you can order a septic tank however you want it. Yeah. And um, I was going to take a septic tank, have, have you know, the perforations through it where I want it for essentially a wood-burning stove. But I was going to have the septic tank uh, excavate into the hillside. My property's on a hill. Drop this in. And then backfill over the top of it, you know, waterproof the whole thing, put in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the stuff, French drains around it and stuff, but cover it up, cut out the wall that's facing out and do all glass and essentially just have this hidden little office that if you looked from the top of the hill out, which is the way you'd be looking at it, you wouldn't see it. Mm -hmm. But if you walk down the hill, which you never do for any good reason, there would be this glass box sunken into the side of the hill. Uh, as my little secret place to, to get away. That was always my goal. I never, I never did it, but... Uh, no, that would be to. super cool. Yeah. I actually know two contractors that, well, they did something like that. They didn't put glass, but they did turn it into their own like version of a man cave wine cellar. Huh. Yeah. Using, using a septic tank? No, I don't think it was an actually septic tank. I just, they went in there, poured a slab, you know, poured the walls, uh, p- poured the roof on it, kind of the, uh, like a pan deck. You know, uh, yeah. so did all that and then covered and insulated, waterproofed. But they didn't put glass on the front. One of them was pretty cool. These kind of big, I don't know. I mean, almost Viking like old doors. I mean, he built it himself, so they're not old. But yeah, I mean, the both of them are very cool. Yeah. And I don't even know how much they actually use them anymore. But I remember going over to one of their houses who's literally just down the road from me. And we pulled up and I'm like, well, that's cool, dude. What What is this right here? He's like, oh, you got to see this. So we opened up these big old, you know, doors. These They were literally like three and a half inches thick. And oh, it was super cool. I mean, dark as hell until <laughs> you turned the light on. But it was super cool. Yeah. Well, my buddy, uh, Cappy, Cappy, I, I, him and I became friends because I was watching Discovery Channel. There's a show called Building Off the Grid on Discovery Channel. And it's actually, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a good show. Uh, but one of the best builds I saw in there was this guy named Cappy, C-A-P-P-I-E, Cappy. He's in Spearfish, South Dakota. And he did this cargo container 
modern house. And a lot of times you hear car, cargo container house and you're like, uh, you kind of know how this is going to go. And typically right. it's not done very well. It's kind of, you know, just, it is what it is. Um, but this one was done extremely well, exceedingly well. Of all the cargo container houses I've ever seen, this one was amazing. It was, they're stacked and there's like big loft space and glass and it's got like a sedum green roof and just the attention to detail hmm. was really, really, really well done. And the quality of the build was well done and the design was well done. Everything was great about it. One of the things they did on the show was they had a utility vault, a concrete utility vault that they put down into the ground. They excavated, put in the ground. They, that's where they put all the mechanicals. So they had the, the well pump in there. They had um, filtration equipment. They had you know the electrical service coming into there. Everything was in this utility vault that was subterranean. And I was like, huh, because I've never seen that. But it was such a, a good way to, to have this utilities. And so I hit him up, and I'm just like, hey, I saw you on the show, and I was really impressed. Um, utility vault, can you tell me about that? Like, I've never seen that. He's like, oh, it's a septic tank. You just, you, you, you order it without, you can, you know, essentially specify where you want any, hmm. any holes in the septic tank or no holes or however you want it. They'll build it how you want it. And that's what he does. And so anyways, that's when I first started thinking about, huh, because I always thought a septic tank was a septic tank. But it's like, no, you, you know, yeah. you can specify what you want and they'll build it to that. And then when I built my property in Arkansas and I had the septic tank delivered, I was just really, you know, I love concrete. And here's this huge concrete box coming on this truck and yeah. it's all chained and they use a crane and they set it. And I'm like, man, I love that. I just love the rawness of it. I love everything about it. And it's a pre-made, if you do it right, it's a pre-made, you know, little, little hideaway office if you cut up, cut up in one side and you know, frame it mm-hmm. with glass and a glass door and put a little uh, yield of wood-burning stove in there and then hide the stove by building up some boulders around it so you can't even see the little stovepipe coming out. And, uh, yeah. You know, that would be fun. Oh, dude, I never be, thought about that. Awesome. It'd be so awesome. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, but Cappy, if anybody's interested, look him up. He's a phenomenal builder. His company is uh, Pan- Pangea, Pangea, Pangea Design, and he's really, really awesome. He helped me build rammed earth in my house. He wanted to learn how to do rammed earth. And so he came down and helped me. And then he went back up to Spearfish and he built a rammed earth addition for a house. And he just did his own office in downtown Spearfish. It's beautiful. And he has a, a rammed earth accent wall. I say accent wall, a focal wall or, or whatever you want to call it. That's, I think, two stories tall. It goes up through the middle of the building. It's black and it's a gradated color of black. So it starts off really dark and every layer it gets a little bit lighter. And uh, it's really nice. And it goes up to the middle of the building. Very cool. Yeah. So, anyways, <coughs> forgive me. I, uh, dude, it's a never-ending sickness with me. I, I, I've been through everything you can imagine. Got better. Girls are out of school for the holidays. They go back into school. Everybody, everybody recovers. They go back into school. Here I am. Sinus infection, ear infection, eye infection. I'm, I'm just all because they went back to the petri dish. Oh my god. I wasn't prepared for this, man. I'm too late in life for this stuff. If I was in my early 20s, that's one thing. But you know, I'm in my mid 40s now. And, my immune system isn't what it once was, so. Right, right, right. Jeez, Louise, I just can't catch a break with this stuff. But anyways, so there's that. And then uh, my building, we closed on that, and I've been working on starting Congratulations, to. Congratulations, man. Thanks, buddy. Starting on a remodel. You know, it's 43 years old. Yesterday, I was putting on um, exterior security lights. I didn't really look at the exterior when I bought the building. I started going around. There was just wires sticking out of the wall. I'm like, huh. I almost almost touched them. I'm like, eh, I got my tester checked. No, they're live. They're three phase. 
a hundred amps three phase. I went and found the breaker. Hundred amp three phase. I don't know what was out uh. there. Some like big air compressor or something. But no wire nuts, no nothing. Just sticking out of the wall, exposed. <laughs> what? And then I find like all these like boxes that I didn't really notice before and open them up. And uh, they they weren't exterior boxes to begin with, so they're all rusted. They had like uh, areas knocked out for where they used to have wires coming out, but the wires are gone now. So they're all full of wasp nests. I opened them up. Every one was packed full of wasp nests. And uh, and then I had to take those off and then go get exterior boxes and put them on and actually put wire nuts on stuff because half of them didn't have wire nuts. And, you know, silicone around them and just make everything the way it should be. So anyways... That's what I've been doing. So starting that process, it's going to be a long one to get that building. We should get the history on the building. Who knows? Yeah. Why would, I well, mean, dude, it was a meth lab. Someone had to be in Did there. I tell you that? It was a meth lab? I found this out after I bought it. So no, it I swear to God, dude. Seriously? I swear to God, my building was a meth lab. So I walk across <laughs> to meet the neighbor across the street, who's awesome, by the way. They make ceramic molds for glass. That's all they do is they make ceramic hmm. molds for, for companies that make glass goods, whether it's bottles or trinkets or whatever, you know, like, interesting. yeah, like when I went in there, they had these, um, glass Christmas trees that, you know, when I was a kid, my grandma always had one on the, on the table or like on the mantle. These like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. They have the molds for yeah. those. They had them on the counter. And I was, so I started talking to her. She's really cool. And, uh, I was talking to her a little bit and, but essentially she said, oh, um, you know, that gentleman over there, we used to, we used to accept his packages because he worked nights. She's like, but you know, he, uh, he got busted for, for meth, and now he's in jail. I'm like, what? Huh? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I asked her some question. I can't recall what it was that led to that. But uh, she's like, yeah. She's like, so he only worked nights, and we used to accept his FedEx and UPS packages. We'd leave him outside, and he'd get them when he came in. She's like, he was super nice. But then, like, one day, the feds showed up, and they got hazmat suits on. They went in there, and turned out he was cooking meth over there. I was like, really? Because nobody told me this. This wasn't disclosed. I was like, really? Uh. She's like, yeah. She's like, you know. She's like, we're happy to accept your packages. We don't care if they contain drugs. And uh, I thought, she's like 65 years old. I thought she had a great sense of humor. But, you know, when I go back over there, I'm like, look, and I'm like, sure enough, there was like weird things. Like the HVAC ductwork had been pulled off that suite. And it had like new paint and new carpet. And I asked the guy that was selling the building, who's owned the building for like 25, 30 years. Uh, what, what? Uh, he didn't care. Dude, he was such a liar, this guy, Jerry. Uh, Jerry. So I asked Jerry, I'm like, hey, what, why did uh, why'd you guys remove the ductwork over here? Because now there's no HVAC. I got to run a mini split. He's like, oh, we started remodeling and, you know, I was just getting it all cleaned up, getting ready for a renter. I'm like, okay. And I was like, so the paint and carpet. He's like, yeah, no, we're remodeling. No, 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 bro. That wasn't it. There was, I was cooking meth over there. They had to get yeah, that place cleaned up because it smelled like a meth lab. Exactly. So, and he liar, knew it. And he was most likely was just bumping the guy's rent to keep quiet. Dude. Yeah. So anyways, so I'm going to go in there and do a legit, you know, I'm going to pull, pull everything and redo it all and put a mini split in there. And, you know, anyways, so you, you learn these things, you yeah. know, well, good again. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you found a building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, funny you thing. You get all the Sudafed out of there. Oh man. I could go for some Sudafed right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all congested, man. Sudafedadrine, that, that stuff's the dream, but they make it so hard to get anymore. Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is, over this holiday break, we started, you know, just kind of kind of looking back and starting to tell a little bit more of the story of why we do what we do, right? Why I do what I do, why you do what we do. Sure. There's a backstory to this that we haven't really told. And part of the reason we didn't tell is just because we didn't think to tell it, but the other part of it is we're just... We know that's who we are, but other people don't know the reasoning. 
And uh, so I've been sick. And the funny thing about when you're sick is when you're sick for long enough, you forget what it's like to be healthy. And you kind of just think it's going to be like this forever. And I legit have been sick for like three months nonstop. And you get kind of get to the point where you're just like, oh, dude, is this going to go on forever? And then luckily I did get better, but now I got this damn sinus infection, but whatever. That whole thing really uh, of being sick for the last few months and, and thinking about what led to what we do, not just Kodiak Pro, but just what we do, who we what are. What we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew the story behind what you do because it went all the way back to ICT. And, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was talking to you about the reasons for ICT and why you did it. And you told me about it way back then. But do you want to explain why you do what you do, John? And what what would you do what you do? I mean, sure. the health aspect of of yeah, yeah. what drives you? Well, I think it's a good, yeah, I think it's a good story. I mean, well, I mean, not a good story, but we all have some versions of backstories, right? I mean, times when you turned left, when, when maybe you wanted to turn right in your life, whatever that means. And so I grew up on my grandfather's ranch. When we first moved into the area I'm at now was my grandfather's ranch. He had worked in the automotive industry and the conduct in the uh, construction industry his whole life, you know, growing up. He was World War, I think it was Korea, actually, not World War II. But anyway, so he was in the military, all these kind of things. And, and sure enough, man, we were out there one day. I was 14, going on 15. And, I mean, my brother and I actually would do jobs with Papa things where he couldn't fit or whatever, because we were pretty small at that time. And it was just the weirdest thing. Um, I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than one day he, he very short of breath and all this kind of craziness, but you know, whatever, right? We always just kind of blow that off sometimes like, ah, eh, whatever, you know, uh, Papa just wasn't feeling well. And man, it was, it was a roller coaster for a minute. And sometimes it's the little things you don't think about. And where I'm going with this is my mom, actually, who was going through nursing school and doing all that stuff at the time. And when they took him to the hospital and they immediately diagnosed him with a, you know, a much larger lump than anybody anticipated in his lungs. So I'm willing to say this is something that's been going on for a minute that I'm going to say bothered him, but maybe didn't bother him. But the short end of that story is literally within a few days, he passed away at the hospital. It was, you know, acute, instant, boom, boom, boom. Um, Longer into that story, we ended up losing the ranch or my grandmother did, lost the ranch, lost everything, you know, finances go sideways, yada, yada, yada. My mom ended up buying another house and we no longer lived on Papa's ranch. So where does that carry me? One of the main reasons for going into pharmacy, actually, and doing biology, chemistry, going into pharmacy was along that same path. Like, you know, how do I help people more than just, but unfortunately I found myself standing behind a, (laughs) counting pills by five with a white, that that was a not no life I wanted. I tell that story, which there's other parts of that that I did in pharmacy. Decided one day when I left a whole different side of the industry. Well, what the hell, man? I'm going to get back into construction. I grew up doing it, but like a lot of people, I did. You know, had a shop, 
doing all these things, started doing concrete countertops, you know, whatever. I wasn't wearing equipment. I wasn't doing this kind of stuff. And very quickly, some of the products I was using, Healer Sealer, I mean, some of these names are going to come up that people are like, oh, I remember that one. E3 whatevers, this and that. And the same, I started really feeling like crap. Again, I, that's aside from the fact like, oh, I'm a smart guy. I'm going to make my own products. I'm going to go make my million dollars. The first thing that struck my head was I was on the same path that my grandfather was. And from an emotional standpoint, I just want to clarify, it wasn't just heartbreaking that my papa passed away. It's what it did to me. Um, and I didn't want anybody else, in this case, a, a grandson, feeling that way. I know how I felt. Believe it or not, and this sounds terrible, I was angry. I wasn't really sad. I was angry. Um, I was angry for a very long time. In fact, <laughs> there's a lot of things I could tell you during that particular phase of my life that uh, were repercussions to that anger and how I felt because I looked at it like, oh, he must not have cared. Why didn't he take these steps? Blah, blah, blah. He literally passed away in X amount of days. And it was all contributed to the things he had been breathing and doing, doing during his tenure in automotive and construction. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, what the heck are you doing? So I, I started going back really on my chemistry backgrounds and trying to design things that I could use in my business where I was not putting other people in the same position. Of course, I didn't want to die. But more importantly is I didn't want to aim, who I've known since 16, going through that. You know, this thing, me leaving the world because I breathe in a bunch of crap and I didn't take the measures. But more importantly, not just the measures, because let's just be honest, people. Anybody listen, you can put air scrubbers in your shop. You can wear your mask. And most of us don't. I've been in your shops. <laughs> you guys listen to this. You know you don't do it. Well, you, know you do. When you... Well, I'm saying you you do, but you don't do it 100 percent of the time. You when you mm -hmm. when you're cutting open a bag and you're dumping a mixer, that's you have I your meant. mask on. Right. Great, that's good because there's a lot of dust in here. But the second that mixer is going, you're taking the mask off. But if you look up at the lights, even if you have air scrubbers going, there's yeah. dust everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, and so you're breathing yeah. it. Well, there's that, and then the sealer side of it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we've talked about it, but the moment you pop the lid or unscrew the bottle of that cross-linking technology, it's in the air. Yeah. It's in your skin. It, it's, you know, and, and anybody who said you may, somebody, you well, you might, I put my gloves on, but man, you don't have filtration equipment on your face. And Dude, that's your, your skin is absorbing all that. Your skin's the biggest organ and it's absorbing right. all of it. Yeah. I, that's, so that's, when I, I, I used to do a lot of fiberglass. I don't do a lot of fiberglass anymore, but I was doing a mold and it, it was like, it, I was doing it by myself. And it was about a week long of all day, every day fiberglassing, right? Mm -hmm. And by like day three of being just exposed to the outgassing of, of you know, these VOCs from the uh, polyester resin, my, the only way I can describe it is my guts hurt. Like my internal yeah. organs hurt. And I just felt ill. And I went home and I bought this 3M 
positive air pressure respirator, PAPR. And it was, I don't know, 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks, whatever they cost. And I'd always put it off. And I was like, ah, it's too expensive. Right. But I bought it because I couldn't do that anymore. Like, I was like, I am done feeling this way. So I bought that thing and it helped, but it didn't get rid of it 100% because all those VOCs are still absorbing into my skin. I'm wearing long sleeves, I'm wearing gloves. I even put, they have like these silver gloves that are made for fiberglass because normal nitro gloves aren't enough. The chemicals still go through it. So they mm -hmm. have like these silver gloves you put over that and I have this positive pressure respirator, but I still, it was still making me feel ill. So when people are like, well, you know, I, I wear my, my dust mask and I put on gloves, it's like, well, that's not really doing anything to stop the toxicity that's Everything in the else, environment yeah. around you from absorbing into your, into your bloodstream. Right. Well, there, I could go so many ways with this. That's a struggle that I have with many people providing products and product support. And we've hammered a lot on, you know, we call it, you know, the experience, right? Um, what am I going to say? The hard part for me, and this is why I do what I do. I'd love to say it's because this big halo over my head, but as I say all the time, because I use these things, I use them. I've been very successful with them. I've continued for 20 years now modifying chemical technologies to make them healthier, better, faster, stronger, whatever the cases may be. So the struggle I have is knowing so many people in this industry, and I'm not belittling the products that they use. But I, I remember it was, it was Dave Gretsch. We were at an epic one year and we were sitting talking about sealers, right? Um, and in our little circles of, of circles of success that we're all talking about, you know, successful businesses, which by the way, true form was a very successful business on paper. Would you agree? You know, I was, yeah, hundred percent. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. And so we were sitting talking about this one day and we're like, you know, in fact, one of the sealers that he uses or used came up and he's like, yeah, I, I can't even be in the same room if someone opens the can. So he that, couldn't even be oh, in a room no, after it had cured. Swear to God. Yeah. yeah he would break right? out in a rash and hives. Yeah. He yeah. would break out in rashes. And the first thing I, I remember we're sitting there talking to him and I looked at him like, well, then why is that still in your shop? Because if that's happened to you, what's happening to the people that you're paying to use that stuff eventually yeah. there. And I think I've said this before, most of the people that I talk to on the raw material side, you, you specifically the polymer side, polymers making, you know, urethane, acrylic technologies and so forth and so on. You'll find, and their reps in general, each time when you talk to these people, they usually have some background story. Like, you know, I worked X amount of years in, um, you know, sealer formulation of one of, something or another. And I'm like, Oh really? And uh, why'd you get out? And I'm telling you 99.9% .9 of the time they come up with the same answer because they developed severe sensitivities to those things. And now they're reps. Yeah. Huh? So, and, and I guess where I'm going with this is again, I'm not, not going to pull company names is a lot of these, they know that and then they'll show application videos because no one wants to show an application video, you know, covered up in a hazmat suit while they're applying this sealer. We're just focused on sealer for a moment. So they'll sell it to you. They'll sell you. They make videos. They do all this kind of stuff. 
never tell you the end result is most likely you're at some point going to end up with a very similar sensitivities, which is a health hazard. Yeah. It sounds terrible. And I know anybody could roll their eyes. Oh, oh John, but it's true. The, the bills going to come due is, is the way I've always said that. And, um, so I feel what I have tried to take on the whole time, which I've had a lot of resistance, especially when I was designing for, with other companies, because raw materials to get the performance that we've been looking for, the raw materials that are less sensitive, um, let's say more health conscious, less blah, toxic, they are, yeah. less toxic, they're yeah. more expensive. Yeah. There's no question about it. No question about it. Um, you know, an isothionate's, you know, literally cents, <laughs> quarter cents, you know, per volumes versus something, some of the other ones that are quite expensive called carbodimides. They're most, so they're, most people don't use them, quite frankly. Yeah. When I say more piece, most people, I'm talking about uh, material manufacturers, the big guys. And why? Because they're selling to industries that I don't even necessarily think the end result is because of a cost. It is in the uh, flooring industry, of course. But which we all know, most of the stuff out there that is being packaged in smaller scale for countertops is, you know, some modification or some, from a package is what I'm talking about. Uh, a down pack version of something for a floor. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I just had a conversation on a totally different subject, but for the same thing with the guy this week that contacted me because he has a project and they need a, a PCI certified mix, which I don't even know PCI certified mixes, but whatever. No. A PCI certified mix. He was telling me a story. He had done another project, an $8 million cladding project, this guy. And another company in this industry, he was using their product. So they had gotten their mix PCI certified by proxy because this guy had to pay for it. It was like $120,000 for the testing. It was three different tests, $40,000 per test, $120,000 that he paid, not, not the not the uh, material distributor, but the actual client paid 120000 to get it PCI certified. But he was really adamant, he was, to use a certain sand because they got stronger uh, compressive strengths with the sand. But the material manufacturer was very adamant to use another sand that was cheaper for them. Although the right. performance went down, it was cheaper. And at the end of the day, they made more money because they're selling the product for this price. But if they can drop their cost on materials... They're going to make more profit. And that's what they're in it for is profit. They didn't care about the performance. And so it was this back and forth. But ultimately, the materials company was just like, no, we're going to use this, this sand because I can get it for X dollars cheaper. And that's what they went with. So, you know, all these companies that sell whatever it is, sealer, polymers, ad mix, concrete mix, whatever, a lot of the times, I would say the vast majority of the time, their determining factor is cost, materials cost. That's going to right. determine which which product they use. So if it's isocyanates or if it's a silica flour because it's way cheaper mm -hmm. to use, they're going to make those decisions based on bottom line where, again, we don't want this to just be Kodak Pro, Kodak Pro, but the motivations are, it's not for the bottom line. We're not looking at this as like, how can we maximize profits? We're looking at this, how can we make the best product we can make? And how can we make that product so the, the people we sell to, we don't feel like we're doing them a disservice by doing this. We're trying to help them live a healthier, longer life by using a safer product. Mm -hmm. Somebody on, on one of these Facebook groups 
posted like, oh, so you're saying this is healthy. What? Where, where did we ever say this is healthy? We're saying this is less toxic. We're saying we're, we're going, we're, we're going above and beyond trying to make this a, a less toxic, safer product to use. Yeah. Because once you have any concrete in your shop, you mix it, you water polish it, you grind it, you cut it, you do anything. There's dust everywhere. I don't care. I've been into a hundred shops. I've had a shop for 20 years. I clean that shop out. I blow it out with air. I get a leaf blower, blow the thing yeah. out, have the fans running, have air scrubbers running. Within a day, there's dust on everything again. On and, everything, yeah. And within a day, you know, I let the air scrubber run. I'm wearing a mask. But I, I, you know, I come in two, three hours later after I'm done casting. I look up at the lights and I can see dust all in the air still. Hours later, we're done. We haven't done anything for hours. And yeah. there's still dust in the air. People are like, well, I water polish. I'm, I'm using a water polisher, so, so there's no dust. That's true when it's wet. But the next day you come in and the floor is dry, you kick on a fan, look at the light. There's dust everywhere. So if there's silica flour in that mix, there's fine silica all in the air, no matter what. So well, there's a lot of misconceptions about all that too. Exactly. Uh, and I know which, which thread. Um, I, and I really like the guy who is, who is coming back. <clears throat> now, and I sure when we just type things, you know, when we're keyboard warriors, it's tough to find, to really get the interjection, the human connection. So I, I wasn't sure if he was just trying to be, uh, you know, funny or sarcastic or, or genuine. I have, I have no idea, but I would say the point of view came across like, well, Hey, I use, you know, everything you just talked about. I, I use my air equipment. I, I, you know, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. And, and we would tell anybody, absolutely. You know, even, even from a, a sealer point of view, uh, with ICT, I'll be honest, I, I don't, but I don't need to, I don't wear gloves. I don't wear any of that, but I guess what I said, I would never tell anybody don't that it's not in your best interest. So due diligence, you should still do all these things. But that being said, that does not, having all this equipment, now this is my point of view and it may not be everybody's, that does not negate having safer products to use, safer for your use. So, you know, that doesn't mean, hey, because we cut down the potential for silicosis by almost 98% in the products that we provide, that doesn't mean at any point that I would tell you, well, yeah, pour it all over yourself. Snort lines of it. Dust. Line it up and snort it, yeah. homie. No, do not do not, that. Not at all. Yeah. But what I am saying is <clears throat> to maintain the performances that, that people have come to expect from the, the products that I support and support and use, I have taken 98% of that problem off the table. Yeah. And I am very comfortable and happy with that because tomorrow – I'm casting. When I go down in the shop, the first thing I do is I walk over to my, which I got hanging, my air scrubber. I get, I turn that on, right? My scale is actually right underneath. So I'll pull X amount of bags out. You know, um, I still do this from a t just the John Schuler thing. I actually still weigh every bag because I want to know if it's half pound over or whatever. Again, it's still kind of, I do QC with everything. <clears throat> then I set them aside. I open my roll door. I turn on a fan. I still have my air scrubber. At that point, you know, I put my mask on. And when I say a fan, I mean, I, so I have a fan that I turn on that blows as much dust 
out my roll-up door, which goes into a field. So I just want to clarify. It's not like I'm blowing it back into someone else's shop. So that goes out into the field. That's where I open my bags. That's where I put my mixer and all that stuff. That's where I do the rest of it. Um, anybody should maintain that due diligence. I just wanted to take so much of the potential as much. Um, you can't, you can't take it all out. When I say all every, I mean, it's right. Anything from the earth's crust, I think it's somewhere around 98% contains some version of silica. And the misunderstandings have been that, that Portland cement is a direct because it's a powder, uh, you know, that's a silicosis. Mm, no, it's not. We're talking about crystalline silica. And of that crystalline silica, a very small percentage of that crystalline silica that is submicron size. That's the actual problem. So um, anyway, if anybody wants to talk about that stuff, I am more than interested to, to um, expand on what we're doing and why, uh, you know, and this is one way I know I've been able to, to hopefully influence myself and my safety, your safety, Brandon, and anybody else using the products. Well, besides Kodiak Pro, just doing everything you can to be healthy in your shop is a good thing. We've talked about this in the past, but it's worth having a conversation about. Do wear a mask. Do have air scrapers. Do use dust extractors. Do have HEPA filters. Do all those things. Do every single thing you can do to help minimize the yeah. risk. Don't just rely on one thing, you know, do everything you can because inevitably, even if you do everything you can, even if you use Kodiak Pro, you're still going to be breathing dust that isn't good for you. You know, right. we're making it as safe as we can make it. But that being said, safe as we can make dude, it. I mean, if, you, if you're just breathing uh, wood dust, I, you know, people get sick from that. So do what you can to protect your health. Everybody should be doing those things. When Absolutely. we're younger, so, we don't worry about those. You know, when I was, in, I started my company right. in my early twenties, I didn't worry about that stuff as much. But now that I'm older, and now that especially that I have kids, and I'm more aware of how my decisions will impact them, I take a lot more precautions, and I'm much more aware of the um, the the things in my shop that could be uh, detrimental to my health that I didn't used to care about uh, to the same extent. So the the irony, the way life goes, I'm going to ask you, have you watched the, because you got the uh, kids, have you watched the new Puss in Boots movie? Not yet. We're going to go and see it. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Don't tell me about it. I don't, I don't, don't ruin it for me, John. Don't ruin no, it for no, me. No, no, no. I'm not going to tell oh, you. Oh, you're going to tell you me know, the, the end of it. You're going to be like, oh, but he dies in the end. No, he doesn't die at the end. Well, now but you told me okay, the ending. No, no, no. He doesn't die at the end. Well, maybe he does die at the end. <laughs> But this is that that anybody who has kids, and I'm not putting solely on your shoulders because it really should go any of us, whether you have children or not. The story behind the net is just so amazing because cats have nine lives, right? So when just like you said, when you were 20 years old, we don't think of it as having a number, but you know, God, we're impenetrable, right? I mean, we bounce when we fall off the roof. We, you know, uh, we'll drink till our liver should have fell out or whatever other thing we could come up and same within our businesses. We just, none of that was on our thought process, <clears throat> but at some point death is going to come for you and that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, 
you know, we have a choice to either raise our glass and be like, right on, man, what's our next adventure? Or you're going to battle it out in a way that you were not expecting to do with a respirator on your face and oxygen and sitting in some bed or, or in this case, like my grandfather, you know, he's here today. Yeah, I don't feel good. And uh, I'm just having trouble breathing. And then next thing you know, X days later, boom, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. I, I can guarantee you at 50, I think my mom told he was 59, but I thought he was 55. But anyway, at 59 years old, I don't think that's what he was hoping to write the ending to his story. I yeah. mean, when I say that, it, it goes even further. So my grandfather had a lifelong ambition. It was Bonanza. You know, he loved Bonanza. He always wanted a ranch and ranch. I mean, like, and he finally squirreled enough, you know, put enough of his acorns away and he bought a ranch up in Calaveras County. And he didn't live on that ranch for six years. I think it was six years. I know we got to live his dream. We had horses, we had Angus beef. We did these kind of things. Um, so I guarantee you that was not the final words he was hoping to write at the end of his story. Um, well, he thought he was so going to have another 20 said, years, you know? I mean, he thought he was going to oh, die yeah, when I'm 75, doesn't? 80. I'm not down to 50, 55, 59, who whatever. doesn't? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we don't know. You can go out tomorrow and get in a car accident. These are the unknowns. But it's one thing to face your knowns, and at least for a minute. Now, I didn't get to talk to Papa because when he went into the hospital, it was so quick. But I can guarantee you during those last moments when he when it was, let's say, revealed to him what was going on, I can guarantee you that was a moment of reflection to look back at the things he had, you know, what was in the air throughout his career, what was ingested and breathed in and and what he was but, but, but he just reached a point where it was so bad that he was gone almost instantly. So why do we do what we do? I'm going to keep doing it. If people want to balk at it, that's fine. Or don't feel it's important. That's fine. Um, but I certainly am going to continue on this path. There was a quote, uh, so a long time ago, I read it about essentially, you know, when you're, when you're young, you do everything you can to, to save as much money as you can, blah, 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 to make as much money as you can. And you you right. trade your health for that. And then when you're old, you take all that money and you throw it at trying to buy your health back because you've developed all these illnesses. Time. Yeah. yeah well, so I just, time. I was trying to yep. find that quote. I can't find it. But the quote that popped up in Google that is, is relevant to this is, time and health are two precious assets that we don't recognize and appreciate until they've been depleted. Dennis Waitley. Yeah. You don't, until, until that bill comes due, that's when you're like, ugh. Why did I do those things? Why didn't I take a few more chances? Why didn't I spend twelve hundred bucks? You know, that's the thing. Is like when I bought that when I bought that respirator, twelve hundred dollars for respirator seems like so much, but one one day in the hospital is more than twelve hundred bucks, right. right? What what's oh, I agree. five years of my life that I got to buy because I didn't breathe in all these VOCs uh, for twelve hundred bucks? So <laughs> so the cost of these things, even though they seem expensive at the time, they're far cheaper than the cost of the long term. Uh, downsides of, of not doing those things. So that's another way you got to look at it too, is, you know, the cost of, I'm talking about positive, uh, not positive pressure, but uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, mm -hmm. 
you know, those things do cost money, but they're money well spent for what it saves you down the road. It's an investment in your health. Well, we had this when we were talking about the podcast not far back, uh, you know, what's going on in Australia right now. And that's the first thing that hit my head. I mean, I, I was like, Geez, when's the last time I changed the filter in my air scrapers, scrubbers? Yeah. Uh, dummy. Oh, because they're 40 bucks. Oh, come I on, know. man. I know. That's what you we know, all the, are. The, the, right? We all do it. And then I went ahead and updated and changed them all out of my vacuums in the whole nine yards. And again, all that is great. I think that's fantastic. And I really, really hope to whatever end people do their due diligence, whether that's in your garage, you know, your shop you know, whatever you have with what you're doing, um, even if it's a DIY project, you know, I mean, put a mask on, I mean, do the things you, but at the same time, look at the materials that you're using and does that manufacturer of those materials also, you know, set a priority to selling you product that, to the best of their degree is non-toxic and, and not harmful. Yeah. Or at least minimize it to the, to the maximum extent they can. Right. And there's very few, not just in our industry, but in any industry, there's very few companies that put a priority on that. Right. Uh, you know, unfortunately no, it just agree. is what it is, you know, well, Australia, I well, Australia, ahead, I think the Australians in some ways are, are maybe going a bit overboard on this, but at the same time, at least they're focusing on it. At least, right. The culture over there is aware of it, you know. Maybe maybe they're going a little too hard on it, but at least they're focused on it. So, well, I'm sure the pendulum will swing at some point, meaning just they'll it'll calm down a little bit. But for right now, they're really going after it, and in my opinion, for good reason. Um, if you're working for somebody who doesn't pro- put a priority into those things, and and then you get sick or sensitivities to the sealer they're using or whatever the case may be, you know what? And you're just trying to, you're just trying to feed your family, right? You're just trying to keep a, you know, keep the mortgage going or your, or your rent or whatever your car payment. And, and, um, I don't know, man. I, I mean, my focus has been this for a very long time. I'm glad you and I, you know, continue to take a stand on this at times working with other people did not. Yeah. Did not. I mean, it was an internal battle that, uh, you know, often the finances won. So I just had to step back and go, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, um, and then we continue to take a separate path. It's funny that that was your driving goal and doing what you do, because I've always felt the same way to an extent of every employee I've ever had work for me. I buy them a 3M full face respirator and they're like, you know, 170 bucks or whatever. It's not the cheap one you get at Lowe's. It's a full face one because a full face mm-hmm. one's like 80% more effective than a half face respirator. And I buy every one of them a full face respirator and I give it to them. Here's this. It's my gift to you. Okay. It's your job. I can't make you wear this all the time, but it's your job to take care of your health because I don't want to be the reason that you get sick. I don't want to be the right. reason you develop cancer or whatever. So I'm, you know, here this is take personal responsibility, protect yourself. And mm-hmm. they have the people that work for me. They, they do, and and I appreciate that. But I don't, I don't want to be the reason, dude. There's karmic debt to that. I don't want to be the. I don't want to make a product that I know could be healthier. Yeah. But I chose. Well, Scrooge McDuck over here. I can make an extra twenty bucks on this guy if I just put some toxic stuff in there. Who, who cares, man? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, really, dude. What's your soul worth? What's you know the ethical side of that? 
I honestly don't give a shit about money. At the end of the day, money is just, it's just the, the society we live in. I need money to buy, you know, gas for my truck. Okay, whatever. But money doesn't make me happy. None of that makes you happy. I enjoy creating things. I enjoy spending time with my kids. When I look at my account and there's more money or less money, that doesn't, that doesn't change anything. And so to make decisions based on money, when you can make a better decision for somebody's health, I, I would always say health wins out every time. Do the best you can do and then make 20 bucks less. Who cares? Whatever. You know, you're going to die anyways. You're not going to take any of this with you. Dude, I was watching TikTok as one does. I was watching okay. TikTok and they're talking about Alexander the Great. This guy was telling a story about Alexander the Great. And apparently it's a true story about uh, before he died, he met with his doctors and is essentially his top generals. And he had like three requests when he died. One was that the country's best doctors carry his casket. The second one is that they like let his hand hang out of the casket so people could see it. And the third one was Uh that they would drop or essentially spread all of his treasures he'd accumulated over his life behind the procession as they went through the streets and, you know, people could take them. And the reason was he essentially wanted to show that doctors, the best doctors in the world can't keep you from dying, right? That was message number one. Message number two, I can't remember what the hand hanging out the casket was. The guy said, but I can't remember. But the third one was everything you, you accumulate in life, you can't take with you. You yeah, leave it all behind. Exactly. So even the greatest treasures and the greatest wealth means nothing when you die. I'm really glad you and I are doing this business. I'm happy, to, I'm happy we're doing it. I'm happy that we're doing it for the right reasons. And I'm happy yeah. that money, at the end of the day, is one of the, the least priorities for what we do. We want to make the best products. We want to make you know, great relationships with our customers. And we want to create healthy materials. Yeah. And I think that no, I at the end of the day, and you know, if we make if we make a little less money doing it, whatever. I don't care. I personally don't care. And to, to add to that, what I would love to see, and I know what I'm about to say is again, some people are gonna roll their eyes. More of these product, I'm gonna call it suppliers or you know, whatever distributors. Distributors, <clears throat> they really should use the products they really should the products are selling i mean on a yes on a consistent basis um and again i'm not saying this because i think the other stuff's junk that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is the other as i continue all this kind of like rantishness a difficulty that i have with so many material providers is they're providing a material to get paid Understood. It's a business. I totally understand that. Um, and they may have some tech support because, you know, whatever they've made X amount of small tile in their shop or whatever the case may be, or a set of instructions. But what they don't have is the life experience of the use that sensitivities and breathings. And, uh, you know, this is why I, I really wish more of these people would actually use their materials on a consistent basis to get a much better understanding of what these materials are and what the long term of using those materials actually. And and I'm not saying this to say, oh, I wish people ill will. No, but I really wish I would see more of this come from other people and not just us. I'd love to see some of these other guys change their focus a little bit and provide materials that, that with less toxic um, alternatives. Yeah. I, I truly do. 
And, and maybe at some point it does. Like I told you with UHPC, HPC, I, I think it's only going to be a minute where you're going to see other people bringing materials on board, uh, which that when they start prioritizing uh, better performance in the concrete, higher resistances in the concrete and not necessarily strengths, but I think that's only, you know, that's, that, that's going to come. Uh, clearly we have kind of met a wall a little bit uh, initially, not just with the other material providers, but people in general. <clears throat> but as people start moving along, and that's always good, I'd like to see it in the materials as well. Agreed. But we'll see what happens. Agreed. What else, John? What else is on your mind? What do you want to talk about on this beautiful day? Uh, this beautiful day? It actually is a beautiful day. Um, nothing, man. I mean, it's, I mean, I shouldn't say nothing. I, I'm, I'm excited for 2023. It's been a rough start in California for me, but... Um, I'm excited for this year. I, I think when people stay in tune with what we're doing, we've got some really cool plans moving forward, and, and I'm really excited about it. I'm excited for the upcoming training in April. Uh, I'm super excited about that. And watching each, I constantly get messages on Messenger and stuff about what you're doing. Um, yeah, man, no. So, I guess we'll let, let little things out of the cats out of the bags as we move along, but I'm really excited for this year. Same, same. You know, I've, I've uh, been listening to all kinds of great audiobooks the last, you know, month or two. And uh, one of them I was listening to yesterday. This is, again, off subject, but who cares? It's a podcast. And it told a, a little anecdotal tale about um, a general. And I just looked it up. It turned out, we, I just talked about Alexander the Great, and it turned out to be Alexander the Great that they were telling the story about. But essentially, he sailed his army across the ocean to battle the Persians. And mm. they landed on the Persian shores, and he ordered the generals to burn all the boats. And he told his men, either we win and we steal their boats and sail home, or we all die here. Or we stay here. There's, yeah, there's yeah. no backup plan, because he destroyed all their boats. And I think about that with me and you, and that's where we are with what yeah. we do. We burn the boats, bro. You know, we can only go forward. We're not going back. There's no backup plan. I'm not going to go work at Starbucks, you know? No. I'm not getting a job at Applebee's. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm not going to be an Outback telling tell about the Bloomin' Onion and Fosters. Hey, we got Fosters on, on special today. I'm like, I can't do that. So we burned the boats, bro. This is us. Here we are. I don't know. I've always wanted to be a barista. <laughs> <laughs> right? Dude, well, you posted Don't that picture you, of you with uh, no shirt on and apron. You could do that at Starbucks. That would be, <laughs> right? be a good look. Yeah. Right, man. Nips yeah, hang out. I can make a I make a mean mocha. Yeah. Your hairy back and your nips hanging out of the apron. <laughs> That's right, right. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> oh, dude. Oh, speaking of, so a few other things to talk about. We started up a group on Facebook, Concrete Countertops, Concrete Sinks, Concrete Furniture. Come find us. And it's and a new tiles, Facebook group. Yeah. yeah, and concrete tiles. It's a new Facebook group. It's uh it's good. It's really good. And our focus is just gonna be on on essentially positivity. It seems to be, you know, you and I are in different Facebook groups. It seems to be a lot of drama, a lot of drama. We don't want any drama. So come over, you know, if you have questions, ask questions, you, you want to share photos, um, whatever it is, come on over. Well, I, one of the ones you put on there, I thought it was so cool. I haven't done it yet, but is pulling up a lot of the work from your past. Yeah. You know, um, I started, I have to go to a whole different computer to do that. But I started pulling up some that I was going to share, 
And <laughs> aside from some of it, you kind of shake your head like what? Like literally, I'm going to go take a picture of a bench. At, it's still at my mom's house. That <laughs> This is before I even started doing anything. But like I thought it was so cool. And it was so cool to me. It was actually on Main Street Murphy's for a time. I made an agreement with one of the locals. It was actually, she had a little pet shop. And we were going to have this whole thing. We we're going to be working together and she's going to promote and I'm going to promote. And it ended up not going anywhere. She ended up like wrapping a chain around this thing. Like, no, that's my bench. Well, I was never, I was so like, oh, you're not taking my bench. This is such an amazing bench. <laughs> now I look at that thing and I'm like, huh. So, so where are you going with this bench story, John? Is that's that a where I started. No, but that's what's fun is to look back and see <laughs> what you've done. You know, some stuff will be amazing, but some of us, will, some of it will be the, you know, initial abomination where we all started. So. Well, you know, I posted a photo. It was, um, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2009 or something that I, that photo was taken, but it was a bunch of sinks and the sinks actually looked, I, I'm happy with them looking back at them. They looked great. Oh, they're pretty. But yeah. back then... I was using uh, a polymer modified concrete. I was using Forton. So it was, you know, thousands of little pinners in the surface. And I was mm -hmm. using a topical sealer. We're using defoamer. I was using Eclipse floor back then. Using a uh, liquid defoamer in the mix to try to get rid of the pinners, but it doesn't get rid of the pinners. And then I was coating it in plastic. And I could see in the photos just the sheen on those sinks were plastic because it was coated mm -hmm. in probably E32K or EAP or one of those sealers. I don't know which one. I can see it. And I look back at that time and I was doing the best I could do at that time. But how far we've come as an industry of technology. Now, a lot of people, there's still Luddites out there. There's still people out there that, you know, just for whatever reason, and that's for them to figure out. They're staying, you know, with liquid polymers and liquid defoamers and co covering their concrete and plastic, and that's fine. I think at some point they'll they'll come around. And still but, weighing up all their materials. Yeah, and, 40 buckets yeah. lined up and, you know, okay. weigh out, uh, you know, a third of a pound of this and 200 grams yep. of that. Okay, whatever. Keep doing it. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. For me, looking back, it's not so much to like look back and see how far we've come with design, although some things I did back then are pretty bad, although I do some bad stuff now too. But it's really looking back to see how far we've come from materials and fabrication. Right. Because it's, it's surprisingly so much easier now, so much easier than it used to be. You know, back in the day with, like you said, like 40 buckets and vibrating tables and yep. all the things we did, and we don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. And it's just... I just I'm wish. Saying, I still got my vibrating table that I use, and it hasn't been plugged in in <laughs> years, years and years and years. Yep. Dude, I sold mine. I sold mine probably 13, 14 years ago, mm. maybe even longer. I don't know. It's been a long time. But yeah, it's just one of the things that um, technology's come a long way, and it's made it so much easier. And so for the people coming into this industry now, if they adopt these new technologies, you have no idea the amount of pain that you're saving yourself from what it was yeah. 20 years ago, because 20 years ago is, is pretty rough, but some people still choose to, to go that road. And some people still instruct on that and that's okay. Well, people that instruct on that subject are people that don't do this. So it's really easy to give people advice on something. If you don't do it for a living, if you don't do it, it's like, right. Oh yeah, well, here's the way you do that. You just add this and you put a little bit of that in and you do a splashity foamer and there you go. And then you end up with this and you cover it in plastic, bada bing, bada boom. That's all there is to it. And that's how you run a concrete business. Now, I don't know about a business, but <sighs> well, I'm sure there are people doing business that way, but I, I mean, you know, a DIY ish project maybe. 
Yeah. But my point yeah. is it's really easy to give advice and to call people foolish and to advise your students and, you know, all this kind mm. of stuff when you don't do it. It's really easy to do those things. It's a lot harder to run a successful business every day for 20 years and then give the advice that you see these people give and they're like, yeah, that's not the way you do it. That's actually the worst way to do it. But I guess if you don't run a business so doing just it, bite your tongue. It's easy to it's easy to yeah. sell that on people because what what what's what what is the the blowback on that? Well, there really is none. You know, you you can give people bad advice; they go out of business. Who cares? Because your your sole business is giving advice. That's where you it's, make your money. Yeah, Whether it's right? good or it's bad, your sole income is made on giving advice. And what shocks me is people, and I I get it because you, you get online, you don't know any better, you don't know who's who. But people kind of fall into that that Venus flytrap of like, oh, well, look, they have this big website with tons of articles and all this stuff. They must know what they're talking about. But then you're like, show me one mm-hmm. piece you've made in the last 15 years that you can point to and say, I made that, and that's worthy of, you know, my expertise. Let me show you something I made, and they can't. Yeah, I don't know about 15 years. Uh, I'm sure someone could probably pull up something like that. I, I'd be interested... Even if it's again a, an abomination, just to pull up something that you made in the last year for a client. Yeah, something you put you into know, a restaurant, was, a hotel. Exactly, into a restaurant, a hotel, a commercial space, a bar, a bathroom, a university, um, a university. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, these are some some, and I, this goes back to what I was saying about products. <clears throat> and again, I'm not saying this to be a downer on anybody. It's just that. As things continue to develop and, and go places, it's it's nice to see that people continue to either, you know, A, take their own advice. That would be amazing. And a lot of people do take, you know, they're they're living their advice, they're experiencing their advice because that's where the advice is coming from. And they're legitimately more than just invested, they are vested into the materials that they're using and ultimately putting in other people's hands because, you know, you're paying for it. Uh, on another note, John, we yes, sir. set up a class, the Concrete Heroes Quest. And um, the turnout has been amazing. We listed it about a week and a half ago. I sent a I sent a email blast. Five people have unsubscribed. Thank you for, for making it easier for us to get to the people that actually care. Uh, <laughs> I look at that, I'm like, who unsubscribed? Oh, okay, well, uh, that's good. Um, there you go. Yeah. So anyways, we sent this email blast, and uh, a week and a half ago, and we've had, yesterday we had 11, and then last night somebody else enrolled, so now we have 12 people that have registered in a week and a half, which I'm not just saying this, guys. We've been teaching classes now for a long time, since 2005, this is the fastest I've ever seen registrations for a workshop, 12 in a week and a half. Dude, I, I think the whole idea that we're doing is so, once again, outside the box. I'm really excited about this. I mean, this is not going to be, you know, a standard pinnacle come. I mean, the, the whole idea of what we're doing here, I don't know. I, I'm excited about it. I really am. Um you're leaving some unknowns, you know, and, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, the I, I idea cool. behind it is, you know, with Pinnacle, which is our six-day class, it's a great class, but I teach for two days, Dusty teaches for two days, John teaches for two days, and there's only mm-hmm. so much you can do in that two days as far as scale of a piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get super ambitious because you only have two days. And there's only so much we can go into to 
depth on each one of those things. So it's a really good class to get a broad perspective and a broad introduction to different philosophies and techniques and, you know, life experiences of, of the three different instructors. But this class is three and a half days, and it's with me, you, and Joe, but we're, we're singularly focused on one thing. And so Joe wants to make a post-tension conference table for his shop. And so we're going to make this crazy table, which is going to be a complex form, and it's going to be post-tension, it's going to be spray GFRC and SEC GFRC and trial GFRC, but it's all for this one ambitious piece. I mean, we're going into it where we're going to do the design and problem solve as a group. And then we're going to build a form as a group. And then we're going to cast as a group. And then we're going to, you know, demold and finish and seal as a group. But it's going to be the trials and tribulations that we actually face in day-to-day life of running concrete companies outside of a class. You know, a class is a controlled environment, typically. You know, some of these classes, they make the same thing every time. They make the same chair every time. Every time, let's make this chair again and again and again and again. Well, that's that's pretty easy. But in the real world, you get back to your shop and the client comes to you and says, hey, I want a post-tension conference table. They didn't do that in a class. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So that's when you get into the actual problem solving, which for me is what I enjoy the most about what we do. I love... I agree. I love the challenge. So this class, The Hero's Quest, is that. A Hero's Quest, for people who don't know, when I was a kid, there was this game by a company called Sierra called Hero's Quest. It's a computer game. My favorite game ever. I loved it. To this day, if somebody would recreate that game, I'd buy it. But Hero's Quest is essentially the journey of a hero. It's kind of the arc of a a traditional fairy tale in the sense of the hero's called to an adventure. He leaves his home, sets out on the adventure. He faces trials and tribulations. He fights dragons and ogres and blah, 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 all the crazy stuff on the trail, right? And then there's the inner transformation. He he gains something from the journey, whatever it is. I mean, think like Lord of the Rings. And then he returns home, a changed person. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of a grandiose idea, but that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying, people come in, we go through all this and they leave and they're transformed in some way. It's going to be a really fun class. It's going to be in Napa, California, uh, April 26th to the 29th, three and a half days, Joe Bates shop. And it's just going to be a really, really fun format for a class outside of the box, different than what we normally do. And the turnout's been great. So if you're interested, go to concretedesignschool.com and uh, click on the banner at the top and, and register. But we've had an insane turnout, incredible turnout. Oh, and by the way, Martin Haddock and Ashley O'Neill are going to come over from the Coming UK. Out, yeah. And they're going to be hanging out with us at the Concrete Heroes Quest. So you're going to be working with them, talking to them. So, dude, it's just going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm very much looking forward to it. I've already booked my rooms and everything. Book your hotel sooner than later because rates are going up. So if you do book your hotel, do me a favor or or do yourself a favor. Don't do it through hotels.com. Don't do it through Expedia or any of those things. You know, maybe go to hotels.com, find a hotel you want to stay at, then go to that brand's website, sign up for their loyalty program. Because if you do that, you're going to get lower rates than what they're showing on these aggregate search engines. Uh, So sign up for their rewards program, whatever that is and then register for your hotel through the actual hotel's website and you'll get a you'll get a better rate. I've learned that the last few trips I've gone on, I look at hotels.com, then I, you know, go to whatever Choice Hotels or um, Hilton Honors or whatever it is, and I sign up for the loyalty program and book and it's always a cheaper rate. So, little little tip and trick for you. Cool, man. Yeah, it is cool, John. It is cool. It is cool. Yeah, it's so I think cool. it's cool. It's the coolest. Anything else? No, not at the moment. Like I said, we'll keep letting the cat out of the bag as we move along. I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I'm back to puss and boots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right.
Well, I got to get to work. All right, buddy. All Me right, too. Man. Uh, hopefully, right. we'll we'll uh, get back on a re- regular program here and do this next week. Not a, not a month. Sounds good. All right, man. All right. Talk soon. All right. Adios. Have a great one.